Gear up as Cash Miller and a team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the Agency Power Show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Masters. My name is Cash Miller. I'm your host and the CEO of Titan Digital. Today, I've got with me Natalie Guzman of Nadora Marketing. Welcome, Natalie. It is great to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Cash. Thanks for having me. Um, so I began my entre entrepreneurship journey in 2015. Um, me and my husband were trying for a family. And I finally found out that I was pregnant in the safe zone of pregnancy. And so um, I told my job, they told me I had two days to give birth and then I would have to go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> two, day, two days to get here. You got two days, have your kid, but be back at your desk. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And it was a high risk pregnancy. She was actually born at only three pounds, um, oh. went down to two pounds when we left the hospital. A lot of health issues. Um, so obviously it wasn't going to work and I never wanted to give a company that much control over my life ever again. So I started finding ways to make money from home. I discovered being a virtual assistant and I built my virtual assistant agency into six figures in three months. Um, and we did so much website design, course creation summits. Um, and I noticed a need for a software that was, could kind of do it all. And so I built Nadora and we have this amazing community of entrepreneurs that are creating their digital online business um, while getting education from, um, you know, um, people that are experts in their fields. So it combines virtual assistants, education and software all in one company. Wow. You were like really a do it every, you know, do everything you possibly can under one roof, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, especially because I started that journey while I was a mom. I don't do anything easy. So I was <laughs> raising this new... I got my first client, actually, while I was in labor. Um, so I was raising this family. I had another kid 12 months later, also a preemie. And then I had all these businesses. Yeah. Uh, I thought I had a good story about my first, you know, one of my first clients and stuff, but I can't beat, you know, in labor. I had one of my first ones while I was in Afghanistan as a, in, with the uh, U.S. Army, but labor, I can't beat that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I also signed a contract for a new house and we moved in a day later. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. So I can see why you would not want to go back to work for that employer. They're like, you're like, I'm a little busy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So that is great. Okay. I love these stories. Uh, so what we're going to be talking today about is websites and stuff, but we're really going to focus on some of the key elements that are often, amazingly enough, overlooked. You know, um, you know, everybody talks about, you know, okay, you got to SEO your site and such, and, you know, it could be the design and whatnot, but we're going to focus on a lot of the fundamentals that are really necessary that if you're a business owner and you're working with a company or you've got somebody internally that's doing this for you that you want to make sure that these things are being paid attention to. Yeah. Um, you know, we've designed tons of websites over the years and it's amazing how many times that you find that the basics can be missed. We're always constantly, you know, having to double check and make sure that these, the, you know, common things like phone numbers and stuff are not forgotten about in key places. Cause it's not just one thing to have it on there. 
it's another about where you put it and stuff. So I wanted to just, you know, get started with, yeah, things like really basic information, but also calls to action on websites. Like say everybody talks design and they talk SEO and stuff. I want to talk about, okay, you're trying to generate leads here. What are the mistakes that you see people making with how they're putting together calls to action, how they're, you know, uh, putting placement of stuff on the site, like say phone numbers or forms or any of those things. What are the things that you see that, you know, mistakes are being made? Oh, great question. So the biggest one I've been seeing a lot lately is the color and the format of the call to action button. Lately, people have been like trying to blend it in. You really want it to pop out to grab attention, Mm -hmm. right? Even adding like a little animation to the button does wonders because you want it to grab their attention. And you also want that call to action to really be a call to action. So the second part is making sure that you're using a term that is going to make them want to take action, right? So um, I hate sign up here. That's like Mm. the number one. (laughs) I hate it. It's so common. It's so bland. Um, I also like to put urgency into my call to actions. So limited time, grab this now, or you don't want to miss out. Um, so I've found that urgency is really a key part to call to actions. And the second, or the third part is not having it listed often enough um, or, you know, like not having it when the first things that you should see. So I have my button basically within every 15 to 20 seconds scroll. If it's not a button that follows them while they're going down the page, um, I always want to make sure it's within every about 15 seconds of the scroll or maybe even less mm-hmm. than that. I think it's more like five. But if you're doing a really scroll, so slow scroll, but um, basically every section has some sort of call to action because I don't want my website just to be something that's just sitting there, right? So um, the first thing is as soon as they log into a website, I try to make sure that the call to action button is in that first screen. So without them having to scroll, there should be a call to action, whether that's in your header or in your um, hero image space, wherever. Yeah. For those that aren't familiar, like we use a term above the fold and you want to get that most important, you know, information always up top. Right. You know, to make sure that, you know, everything you've got it, 100 percent of the people see it. Yeah. And that's, you know, a major consideration. You know, when it comes to forms, I'm. I've always been of the preference, um, and I'll use the KISS principle, you know, keep it simple, stupid. I like to use full-size forms, and the reason being is you can't miss it. Buttons can be missed. And so what I like to do, similar to what you're mentioning, though, is as you scroll down, I want to repeat, and I'll use the button. I'm not going to repeat the form over and over again. I may use, uh, like, an anchor, you know link with the button to drag drag them back up to the you know the form itself but i want to so i want to repeat my call to action but i want to i like forms instead of using necessarily buttons because you know like say it can be kind of boring on just what you put in the button text but i want to make it sure you know and it depends on the business okay so you have to take that into account of how people would naturally contact that business you know if you're a service company Um, and you typically take emergency calls, well, people aren't going to necessarily fill out the form. So then I might use, you know, we go the button route, right? But I need to make the phone numbers more prevalent because that's what they're looking for. You know, so I think that's always important. When you talk calls to action too, one of the things um, I've often seen as a mistake is people will put those forms, like for one, it could have the generic message, but a lot of the times it uses the same message. 
And I like to be able to individualize the messages based on the service. You know, if, if you're a company that offers multiple things, tweak the call to action to highlight the page you're on and that particular service and say, hey, do you need an estimate for, you know, so-and-so service? Yeah, I completely agree, especially um, when I was talking about that, that first before they scroll, doing a form with the, um, I do like this uh, call to action on the button just for them to submit. Um, but I do a um, form. It looks really great with a hero image, too. And it's one of the first things they see. So I completely agree. Yeah. And one of the things that you you mentioned, the buttons, too, with the colors and such. Um, one of the things I keep seeing in design, um, we make sure that we steer away from it and such. But um, some designers are taking to using like essentially button outlines, you know, where the color behind the button is basically the same as the background. And they're trying to, you know, use just the line itself, the, the circle of the button, essentially, they're oval, um, you know, to have the button stand out. You know, if it's a square or whatever it is, I'm like, no, that's still blending the button yeah. in with the background. And if you know you cannot do that, and ha I know it can look great aesthetically, but if I can't see it, it doesn't you know hit the mark to drive a lead. What was the purpose? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And people are used to you know think about how many things that in a day that we fill out you know online and how many forms. And so a button to us when we see it clearly, like within a little glance or even in our prep field, we know that it's something we need to fill out can't see that we're not going to click on it yeah that's exactly it you know um websites and stuff you know also because of you know our tendency to scan everything we're scrolling through them kind of quick and whatnot you know people need to be able to find the information whatever it is they're looking for and if you are a service-based business and you're trying to generate leads you know you need to make sure that you know, everything is really easy to do and you can do it quickly. You know, so I always hate driving people to contact pages or anything like that. Like they will exist. You want them, you know, as reinforcement that, hey, this is how you would get a hold of me because your forms on service pages and stuff, you may be asking for more details, whereas a contact might be more general. You know, mm -hmm. hey, this is how to get a hold of us. Please submit this. And so you want to consider that um, there's a lot of potential customization that can be done, you know, for, you know, your company and your website and to represent you and drive more, you know, um, leads in different ways. And like I say, it's a lot of times it's the obvious that's missed. Yeah. You know, you what know, do you another, see is, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say another thing was another call to action. I've seen a lot of people are using, I feel like an unnecessary page is like if they want someone to schedule something, um, we've been embedding the calendar right on the landing page and I've tested it and I've had a so much better conversion rate than having to click on a button for them to go to another page for their calendar. Um, so we really like embedding the calendar as well, which leads to a form. Yeah, you have to, you know, every business is going to be a little bit different. So one of the things before you're really like figuring out um, what you're going to do website wise, you want to consider how are people going to naturally contact you? You know, like what is the sort of the cycle? You know, being that, you know, if, like doing digital marketing and stuff, not everybody, you know, some people pick up the phone, some people, you know, want to, um, you know, submit a form or schedule online or something, you know, there's different routes that they're going to go. So you want to, you know, consider and really just put yourself in the shoes of your customer. You know, what does that look like? How would you contact you? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk. Okay. So if you've got, you know, you've got all of these, uh, you know, calls to action and stuff, you know, that are going to be on the pages and you've got, if you assuming all your con, you know, contact stuff is correct and everything. What about content? You know, what kind of content should, you know, companies be considering using, you know, that really can help. Okay. I know how to contact them, but now I got to influence people to do this, you know, to take these steps. So what kind of content and such would you be recommending? What should we people be focused on? Yeah. So lately in our testing, we found that videos, informational videos are really, um, it's a really high conversion rate and people are actually watching it almost all the way through, which is amazing. Um, whether that be a personal video of the CEO or an animation video, um, people like to be entertained. We don't keep it very long. We, you know, TikToks and social media, shorter is better these days. So mm -hmm. we I try to keep it around whatever the social media trends are, depending on the business. So um, like TikTok would be like a three minutes um, video. And so we try to keep it three minutes or under um, on our websites as well. And we've been seeing huge um, action from those videos. Um, another thing is I love blogs and I love mini blog content. Um, even just like something that is really catchy and informational and educational that gives them value quickly though. So sometimes blogs, we like to write out this long blown out description. I try to take out all the fluff and just try to really keep it as educational as possible. Do you really recommend, uh, okay, so with service businesses, um, should they be using blogs and stuff? Like what, what's the driving goal? You know, what's the benefit to them if they're using, you know, that kind of yes. content? Yes. So I love blog content for, um, for service-based businesses. Let me give you a, um, client story. So we have someone in the tree industry and they, they really want to drive more traffic to their website. And so we recommended, you know, creating a blog series about um, in their area, which was in California, the sp specific trees, when to um, some of the articles were like, um, when should I take care of this for maintenance? What do I do in an emergency situation? Well, they had a really bad, um, like, I think it was like a tornado, some sort of storm that took out so many trees. And we had a blog post already about emergency tree work. And so when mm -hmm. they were researching emergency tree work that popped up in um, Google. And then they were able to get a lot more clients from that, just from the blog with the right call to actions within the blog post as well. So in your example, it would be so kind of like take your service, whatever it is that you offer. And you kind of like if you niche it down some and you look at different things that, you know, specialties maybe within something, things that don't weren't necessarily a full service page or something, but you might, you know, write a blog post about because you can get that within the results, you know, locally and such for specialty things that don't necessarily happen often, but maybe you, you know, occasionally strike gold on it. You know, um, I know like we work, you know, depending on the kind of company you work with, uh, you can end up with very specialty things. You know, think plumbers and some of the yeah. sewer system types of things that they might do. So rather, you can list as a primary service in your service pages, but a lot of times they don't have, um, they're not going to dedicate a full page to that within the services. They may just have it as more of a blurb, you know, on a overall page. But in the blog post, you can take 
and flesh it out, right? Is that kind of, that's where you're going and saying, hey, you know, you can find opportunities like that? Yeah. And it's crazy how much it works. Like I, at first I thought it was kind of a fluke, even watching the data and the traffic roll in. Um, but we use it for multiple service-based clients and we just seen a really um, good rate, you know, drawing rate. And it's been, it's been crazy how great it is because we, we take, it's not necessarily that like, so first off, emergency work in California is a very popular term, actually, emergency tree care. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you, mm-hmm. yeah, because it's, think of it, it's not just storms or natural disasters. Um, it could be a multiple of things, you know, someone drives their car into a tree. Um, those <laughs> <Yeah>. tree industry, <laughs> yeah, it's actually crazy how often emergency tree work can actually be one of the main services that they offer. Um, and so we take, you know, situations that a lot of their clients have gone through and they go through a lot and we turn them into blog posts because someone's going to have that similar situation. They're going to search the term in that area, in that city or state, especially because that is local based. So there definitely is an advantage, Mm. advantage to local. Um, and also, um, yeah, so we just seen like a really good conversion rate just with um, creating these little mini blog posts. Are you optimizing those particular posts for local, you know, with the you know locations and stuff then? Yeah. So a lot of, for our service base that are depending on local, cause we have a lot of digital businesses as well. that are not, their clientele isn't local. So, um, but for the local base, yes, we do. Okay. So, um, do you have any advice or tips that you would give if you're trying to create that kind of content you know, kind of figuring out where, um, you know, where you could, you know, draw from. I mean, you know, you took like a company has different services, right? You know, so how do you like, what would you do if you were sitting down with a client to draw that out of them? Because I mean, at some point you talk to that particular one and, and the idea of emergency tree service came up. So, you know, what does that like look like to find those ideas? Yeah, so I took their base services and then I actually used ChatGPT or other AI tools to then kind of dive a little bit further. Um, and I just try to look for, you know, terms related to that. And um, I also talked to my clients. So I asked them, like, what are the specific problems your clients face? Um, what do you see the most? What type of jobs are they? Um, and things like that. And they can, you know, you're, you are the the CEO of a company is the best person to ask because they understand their target market. They've been in it for years. They understand the situation. So they can really give me as much details. I only use AI so far. Um, so like I only use it just to help me guide. I don't help use it to create content because I feel like the owner and CEOs can give me just so much more data. Hmm. Okay. So Within blog content, we see that we've got opportunities. You do need to analyze your own business a little bit so you can see, you know, really think about it, you know, and you'll find those opportunities. All right. So that is great. So now, you know, I want to move, you know, keep moving on. Let's talk bounce rates. Okay. And for those, because a lot of people aren't necessarily going to know it. So why don't you explain first what about, you know, the bounce rate is, because as we're looking at analytics and stuff, it is one of the key data points we often look at. And especially when you're talking blog content or, yeah, any kind of like information heavy website. 
Yeah. So with bounce rates, especially with the email marketing, it's, you know, you send um, an email, we need to see how, if they received it on their end, did it bounce back? Was it an invalid email? Was there some sort of connection issue? Um, was the email inputted incorrectly in the form? And then if it was my team, um, we have an automation system that will look for um, it in our system. If they have uploaded any type of other forms using any other data that they use because then we're able to find the correct email. So very, very important. Um, but yeah, it's really, really important because one, um, you can mess up um, when you're sending, especially bulk emails, you can um, go to spam if you're not monitoring your bounce rate and making sure that your email list is up to date and valid. Um, and it'll also weed out you know, those true people that are loyal to you. Okay, cool. Well, let's see. So we've got multiple types of bounce rates that can go on and stuff. So let's cover the other one that, you know, also happens because I think that's where, you know, we end up um, or I think business owners can end up with confusion because, yeah, we terms get used in multiple ways. So we've got bounce rates that happen with emails. We also have bounce rates that happen with content. Yeah. And when we're, you know, um, when people are on those websites, you know, and we see the really high numbers and the percentages is showing like, you know, 80 or 90% or something, you know, they're bouncing off there. You know, what do you do to reduce those bounce rates? Yeah. So I do a lot of, um, landing page. So are you talking just to make sure I'm clear, are you talking about when it comes to content or are you talking about when they're going to landing pages and going from landing pages? Well, content on landing pages and, con you know, content in general, but landing pages because, you know, the landing pages are going to be used for lead generation. So that's what people are going to care most about. How do we get those bounce rates down? Okay, exactly. So um, a lot of times what I'll see, so we use, you know, Google, Google Analytics onto the back end of our website. So we're able to see where everyone goes in their customer journey as soon as they land on our website. So um, a lot of times they'll go to your website and they'll click off, right? And so to, you need to figure out what happened. Why did they go off? Why did they not sign up for either your freebie or for your actual purchase offer or whatnot or your service? You want to um, look about where that happened. So one of the things that we do is we test two um, versions of a landing page at once to see um, what type of content. And we change one thing at a time. So that's really important. So that I can figure out exactly mm -hmm. what I need to change and what I need to improve. Um, so for, for example, one test we recently did was animation videos versus a personal video of um, someone talking about their service or their company. And the animation video tanked. And um, hmm. the, yeah, which was crazy <laughs> because animation videos were so huge, like a couple yeah. years ago, right? So yeah. um, the personal video, I feel like after the pandemic, we just want that connection. And so that's where we saw the increase in conversion rates. Yeah, I love the uh, the videos that, you know, for a long time they came out and they have their whole arm scribbling across and stuff, you know, I'm like, oh my God. And people are still trying to like utilize these things and they're so overplayed. So they don't carry, you know, they were kind of a fad in a sense, you know, um, and really live, you know, where you see whoever it is, you know, they, you know, whether it's the business owner or, you know, staff, whatever it is, like we do a lot of that type of video for companies and we don't like to do animation videos and such because it feels like they get, you know, they get stale yeah. and, you know, actually recording staff and stuff can have a lot more longevity because they are more engaging. You feel like you're actually learning, you know, something about that company that you're considering dealing with. Yeah. 
Exactly. And actually in the same scenario for reviews, we did, you know, your usual review with like the picture of the person and the text and then video right. testimonials. Video testimonials are huge right now. Um, and yeah. then people, but you want to make sure that one, they're legit and number two, because what they'll do is they'll look up that company or that person and try to see if they're still doing what they're doing or if their company grew. Um, and if you're not keeping up on that, it's actually going to decrease your value. So really important that your testimonials are up to date and fresh. Yeah, that's, that's another key thing. Yeah. Whether if you're going to like get them on Google and you're going to draw them into your website and stuff, you know, definitely video ones are going to be more powerful. The one thing though, is if you're going to go that route, you're going to want to do them fairly regularly because they can end up, you know, being a little date. It's harder to date those things. I mean, when you're pulling in from Google, you can, you know, you're going to be able to more see, you know, when the review is actually given. But when it comes to anything that's testimonial related, you should always be trying to get them at a, some sort of regular pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when you see um, companies on Google and how many, for a long time, companies didn't take reviews seriously enough. You know, even when Google is kind of pushing that you want to do it because we had sites like Yelp and stuff, you know, people would go there first. Now the number of reviews and the systems that are kind of tied into Google it's gotten really insane, you know, how many reviews some of these companies have, you know, and you're drawing those into your website, you know, where you should be, even if you're using a written one, you know, but it's still pulled from Google. That's the best way. Like stay away from testimonials that are essentially copied and pasted onto your site. You know, there's plenty of ways to pull the reviews from your Google profile and just make sure you're building them up there. But that way they're going to be, you know, everybody knows they're going to be legit, you know, or at least they should be. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's talk about security for a minute too, because, you know, websites, um, security has been a, a big issue. And of course we know like a few years ago, um, Google basically pushed the entire world to, you know, put HTTPS, you know, to put SSLs in, uh, you know, securing domains and stuff. So when people go there and if you haven't done it, which, it seems like 99% of the sites out there have done it at this point. But if you haven't, uh, you can still get the red screen of death. Have you, have you ever seen the red screen of death you know, that comes up? I haven't, actually. I have not seen it. I'm sure my team has, but I have not personally. I think because we had a really good system that we just kind of pulled through. So, Well, yeah, occasionally you'll go to somebody else's site or something. But if they don't have an SSL, so for those that don't know, if there's no SSL, you'll get that security warning. And if it's using Chrome, you can get the red screen of death. And, you know, which case it's saying the site is unsafe. Do you really want to proceed? Uh, You know, it's something that's, you know, you definitely want to be cautious of. If you proceed, it could be that the, you know, more than likely it was just that they never installed the SSL and Google's flagged it you know, because of that. But, you know, hackers and stuff are constantly trying to figure out things. Um, Like WordPress itself has um, a number of builders that exist and such. And those, some of those builders have recently been hacked, you know, and whatnot. So, you know, what are your, I guess, thoughts on security? You know, what, you know, maybe best practices people should be doing and such to make sure that, you know, uh, the bad guy doesn't get in. Yeah, so there's a a lot of things. Even um, I think number one, especially if you have um, a large team and you're trying to have people, you know, you're sharing passwords and 
usernames. So that's the first thing because you never know who you're hiring. And so we use a program called LastPass that protects all of our passwords and usernames. So that's the first thing I always start with. I actually have a friend that her Facebook was just hacked yesterday and they Mm -hmm. deleted her account of 20,000 followers. Oh, geez. Yeah. So make sure that we are updating those passwords and we're protecting them as much as possible. Um, Another thing is, depending where your website's built, using a security plugin to um, really, you know, keep your website safe. Um, And I also reroute using um, Cloudware um, because one, I like it for security reasons, but number two is also to keep my connection um, secure. And then that way there's no like disconnection with the domains. Yeah, you know, one of the things, especially usernames, um, when it comes to any kind of a site, unless it specifically requires an email, if you're generating a username for it, generate it just like you would a password. Okay, yeah. don't don't just pick something. Use one of the password generators so it's all scrambled and it's got symbols and it's got uppercase and lowercase and numbers and whatnot. But do the same thing with your username. Um, it doesn't make it impossible to crack, but it makes it certainly a lot harder. And um, there's a couple of things you know, depending on your site. So if your site is a WordPress site, as an example, which is you know what we primarily build, you have um, you know different things that you can install on that site, different plugins and stuff. Um, Some are going to be like blockers, you know, so you have uh, the ability that if somebody like tries to log in and they fail like three times, you can automatically block them from trying a fourth time. You can also block out certain countries, you know, most of the hackers in the world either seem to come from Russia, India, you know, China, somewhere else. You know, so you can block out because if you think of yourself, you're a small business and you only operate in a particular city state, whatever it may be, but you have no reason to actually have a visitor from any other country, you can go ahead and block them all. You know, just leave the United States open because, you know, that's going to make a significant difference because what it's doing is it's keeping those people from actually visiting the site. And and hackers typically are not going in, you know, they're not going to your site to try to hack it. They're using computers to try to hack it for them, you know, sophisticated programs that they've, you know, created and such to try to do this. And, you know, there are ways to simulate that they're from the United States to, you know, uh, you know, they can use VPNs and they can go around and stuff, but um, it does at least up your ability to, you know, protect things. And same thing if you've got any kind of a file manager, you know, which WordPress you know, has that's separate from the WordPress dashboard, but other systems too. I don't care if you're using a Wix site, a Squarespace site, or GoDaddy site, or any of them. You know, you want to make those usernames and stuff, you know, as sophisticated as you can. Don't worry about remembering them. Go save it in a place like LastPass and stuff so you can easily log in. Um, you know, because... The worst thing you can do, your security is also a trust issue for the visitor. Yeah, so you want to consider that. Plus, people can put stuff on the back end that you won't necessarily, you know, know of. Have you ever, you know, gotten some of those like um, experienced where? I mean, can you give it a typical? Why would somebody put, uh, I guess, uh, malware or something on a website? Like, what's the use to the hacker if they're not trying to actually hack the website or steal data there? Yeah. Have you ever gone through that? No, unfortunately I have not. Well, have you ever gotten a Netflix 
you know, like, hey, your Netflix password was changed or a bill due or something in your scan, you know, your junk email. Oh, yeah. Or a text message. You get those texts too, right? And it mm-hmm. says, oh, your UPS package was not delivered. Click this link. Yeah. So that's exactly the example. So what they're doing is if you were to click the link, you see something that looks like UPS. Mm-hmm. Look at the actual URL. You won't see it's UPS. You know, it'll look something kind of like it maybe. But what they've actually done is um, a lot of times they'll put those false pages on unsuspecting websites. And that's the thing to look out for. They got to find a home for it that can't be traced back to them. Yeah. You know, so and they do it with bank, you know, sites and things like that. Um, you know, so it's always the small business owner that's the most vulnerable in those situations. And so that's what you really want, want to be, you know, uh, watching out for. Um, okay. So, you know, if you're, I guess, would you, you know, take a moment and sum up, you know, all of the, like those best practices of things you got to be doing, you know, for your website? Yeah, so we went over the call to action um, and we went over the security. And um, what was the third thing we went over, Cash? Uh, well, we got the call to action, we got the security, we got the content. Yeah, okay, so and the content, that's it. So, what's really important about all of these is that we're continuously updating, monitoring, and tracking the data with all these because we can always do something once, but it's not always going to work. So we need to, and it's all, always not going to apply either. So we need to continuously making sure that we are tracking, monitoring, and updating all these different pieces of information. Um, the best thing that I like to do, especially because I have a VA agency, is that um, each department or segment of what I'm working on is assigned to a particular person, and they um, get automatic notifications to make sure that they're updating and checking it. Um, especially if it's a project manager for their client, that they're checking those continuously as well. Yeah, I think that's a a really good point, too, of checking continuously. One of the things, too, is with a website, there is a lifespan on these things. Mm -hmm. um, And you should constantly be, you know, checking that, too. You know, we tell most, most people will be told it's around three years or so for a lifespan. But I would encourage you that every year you should at least try to take a fresh set of eyes you know, to the site, um, is it still performing at the level, you know, have you done these things with call to action? Is the content still relevant? Is the security still up to date and everything? And, and do it on a fairly, fairly regular basis. I don't know about you, but as an agency, I think we've changed our site like six times in 12 years or something, mm-hmm. you know, because we want fresh eyes on it. Yeah. And yeah, kind of the intention. <laughs> Yeah. And it, they, yeah, like we've done like six overhauls, not counting all the updates in between and changes that will happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're hyper focused on such things, you know, because it's what we do for a living. But, you know, the uh, businesses need to be more focused, you know, on it as well. Yeah, your target markets, wants, likes, and needs are changing. So, so should your website because your website's attracting your target market, right? So, that's um that's one of the reasons like we just had a huge overall too that we're still in the middle of doing um for the virtual assistant agency because colors aesthetics but also strategies have changed and so we're kind of updating to fit the mold. 
Okay, well, we've been talking about websites and some of the best practices that you should be, you know, really focused on as a business owner. Your website is, um, it's a really overdone uh, kind of statement, but it is a sales rep that doesn't take a day off, you know, because it's always out there. And it's also a, uh, the first impression often a lot of people have of your business. So you really want to make sure that it stays up to date, but you want to make sure your content is relevant. You want to make sure you've got your calls to action. It's easy to contact you. You're security stays, you know, solid and such. And, you know, if, if you're not doing these things, you could be costing yourself business. So Natalie, how would people get a hold of you? Yeah. So you can, um, guys actually get a two week free trial to Nadora. It's Nadora.org. Um, just make sure that you mention you heard, um, about us from the marketing master studio. Um, so we know where you come from. And um, if you want to learn more about me personally, I have my own personal website. It's natalieguzman.com. And I'm on all social media channels. Always happy to talk. Cool. Well, this has been another great episode. Again, I'm Cash Miller, the host of Marketing Masters and the CEO of Titan Digital. It's been great to have you on, Natalie. Yeah, I think it's a, been a, a great conversation. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me, Cash. It was great to have you. And that, that looks like a wrap for us today.